series um, that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks called Made for More. Made for more. Um, And there's two verses of scripture that I want you to turn to. Colossians 4, because we've been studying the book of Colossians, so you can go ahead and turn there. But then I want you to try to find, we're going on a little scavenger hunt, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. How many of you had no idea that Zephaniah was a book in the Bible? Okay, a few of you, okay? Zephaniah. And what you want to do, if you want to find it, it's a small book in the Old Testament right before Matthew. It's not just before Matthew, but if you back up a few pages, there's a few Old Testament books that are just a, a few pages each. And if your Bible gets stuck together, you'll miss Zephaniah completely. So I want you to find Colossians chapter 4 and Zephaniah chapter 3. And I just want you to hold your place there. We're going to get there. Now, if you're jumping in into kind of the end of this series, you can go back to our website, discovernorthpark.com, and pick up all of the installments of this series. But we've just been talking about what it means to be made for more. Because sometimes we get into these areas of our life where we just feel, we feel stuck. And some of you feel stuck in your job. Some of you feel stuck spiritually. Maybe you feel stuck financially. And you're doing like motion. You're doing things. You're trying to get to that next place in your life. But you feel like you're on a treadmill and you're just, and you're just like moving, but you're not going anywhere. It's like you're stuck in time and, and, and you're not progressing. And so you're spending a lot of time and effort and energy. The wheels are spinning, but you just aren't going anywhere. And so the result of that activity is, is, is this idea of, of disappointment and a nagging sense that you aren't experiencing all that you should be experiencing in that specific area of your life. And maybe the ultimate conclusion to that is, is the way I've often felt. I'm just being really vulnerable with you, and that is... Maybe I'm not becoming the person God intended when he first created me. I mean, that's, that's like, that's way down the road, right? It's that idea that God had something in mind when he created me. When he, when, when he breathed breath into my life, there was a thought that he had. There was a plan and a purpose. But we often wonder, is there this gap between who we are and who God intended for us to be? And, and, and we've talked a lot of different ways in Colossians that we were made for more. But we get to the end, Colossians chapter 4, and I've just got to ask, is there more spiritually that we should be experiencing than what we are right now? I, I really want you to look at Scripture as a mirror today. And I want you to take a really good, honest look at where you are Are you the person spiritually God had intended when he created you? Or are you stopping short of that relationship? Is there more we should be experiencing? And I just wrote this question down in my notes. Are we experiencing a real genuine move of God in our lives? Or are we just somehow going through the motions motions of devotion, prayer, and worship? Like when we come in on a Sunday morning, do we truly go after him? Do we have an expectation when we sit in this room together in corporate worship that when we worship that he truly inhabits our praise? Do we believe that when we come in and we pray these prayers, do we truly believe that God is going to move in response to the prayers of his people? Do we truly believe that or are we just going through motions 
of devotion, prayer, and worship. In your own life, do you really expect God to answer your prayer? Do you truly expect God to to move and respond when you pray? Do you truly believe that when you worship, that God inhabits your praise when it's just you and Him? Or are we just going through the motions? I don't know about you, but I want to experience more. I want to experience a move of the Holy Spirit in our life that just leaves us speechless. You know what? I think some of you are bored. I do. I think some of you are bored in your relationships. I think some of you are bored in your job. I think some of you are bored in your spiritual life. Somebody sent me this meme this week. If you don't know what a meme is, it's a picture with some words, all right? And probably some third grade kid did it. But when I saw that meme, somebody sent that to me. Just let that sink in. This is God. I have a plan for your life, what it feels like. That's the Holy Spirit. Just loving and having a good time, and then there's us, right? Like, I, I, when I saw that, like, I laughed, but I thought, when's the last time we felt that way? When's the last time that you felt like the Holy Spirit had you by the hand and was just pulling you into a place of passion and purpose and you were just holding on for dear life experiencing what it was that God had for you? Or are you just walking through the motions, just casually praying and casually worshiping and, 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 and as a result, some of you are just, you're bored. Micah was working out with a, a coach recently who was teaching him a lot more than the game of basketball. And in the middle of this basketball lesson, this this training session, he asked Micah, he said, do you know why God created you? Now I'm a pastor, I know the answer to that question. And I'm scared of this coach, so I didn't say a word. I just kept my mouth shut. I really am scared of him. And and so I'm standing there off to the side, and when he said it, in my mind, I answered the question, do you know why God created you? And in my mind, I'm screaming, yeah, yeah, I know the answer to that. God created me to bring glory and honor to his name. That was what was in my head. And that coach just said, and don't even say to bring glory and honor to his name. <laughs> like, I'm like, can you read my mind? You know? And when he said that, don't even say to bring glory and honor to his name. I went into Arnold from different strokes mode. You know what I'm talking about? What you talking about, coach? You know, like, that's, what I, that's the first thing that came to my mind. What you talking about, coach? Well, you, you're you're, you're preaching, preaching heresy to my kid here. What are you talking about? And he said, follow my logic. He said, I'm a dad and I have kids. He said, but I never once made a decision to have kids so that they could bring me glory and honor. He said, now, I'll be honest. I hope that I live long enough that they do love me and they do hold me in a place of honor as their father, that they respect and they honor me. He said, but let me tell you why I chose to have my kids. I chose to have kids for my pleasure. My kids bring me pleasure. That's why I had kids. And he said, and I believe that we do exist to bring glory and honor to God. But more than any of that, I truly believe that God created us for his own pleasure. And when you recognize that you exist just for the pleasure of God, I think it changes everything. Listen to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. 
He is a mighty Savior. And He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all of your fears. We, we, we used to sing a song at North Park a long time ago that just goes like this. The Lord your God is with you. Straight from this verse. He is mighty to save. And he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. And he will rejoice over you with this song. And he will rejoice over you with singing. And he will rejoice over you with this song. And sometimes when I'm tired and I'm frustrated and he feels far from me, that verse and that song just plays in my head. And here's the thing, like we, 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 we talk in terms of this. We, we say as followers of Jesus, we, we serve God. We serve God. We serve God. And, and we say things like Jesus didn't come to, to be served. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And as followers of Jesus, it is our honor to serve him. But when God looks at you, hear me, listen to this. He doesn't look at you as his servant. He looks at you as his son or his daughter because you are his pleasure and he takes delight in you. And the reality is some of us, we don't live like sons and daughters of a heavenly father. We live maybe more like orphans who are trying to win the approval of a father. But as much as I love my kids, there's nothing they could ever do to make me love them any more. And there's certainly nothing they can do to ever make me love them any less. As their father, I take delight in them. They are my treasure. And when the heavenly father looks at you, he takes delight in you. Now I want you to look at Colossians chapter 4. In response to all of that, here's, here's what it says that we are to, to think about and here's what we are to do. Colossians chapter 4, Paul says this, So devote yourselves, therefore, to him, to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I want you to think, if, if God created you for his pleasure, and you are his son and his daughter, then is there anything else that you could do that would bring him greater joy than to just sit at his feet and spend time with him in this incredible gift that we call prayer? Is there anything that you could do as a son or a daughter that would mean more to him than to just sit at his feet and have this communication with him through prayer. I was in the car yesterday, and I was riding, and, and, and I, I just wanted to talk to my dad. And so I called him, and, and for 38 minutes, we just talked about nothing. It wasn't anything important. We, we, just, we just talked. We, we talked as a, as a son and a dad does, and, and we laughed, and we joked around, and we picked on each other a little bit. We just spent time, and when I got home, I said, Dad, I'm, I'm home. I'm fixing to go inside, so I'm, I'm going to let you go. And Dad said, hey, this was fun. Thanks for calling me. Thanks for letting me ride home with you today. And I go back to this verse. 
He takes delight in his children. And just sitting at his feet, spending time with him. As Paul says, being devoted to him, to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That brings joy and honor to him. So what does it mean to devote yourself? I think what that means is, is we've got to give time to whatever we think is important. If we're devoted to something, if there's devotion in our life, it means that we're going to place a high value on something and we're going to do whatever it takes to fulfill that because we truly believe that that is important. If you want to make a football team, you're going to make sacrifices to go to practice, you're going to do workouts. If you want to be a musician, you're going, to, you're going to learn how to play a piano and you're going to learn how to read music and then one day you might even get to play in a band and you're going to make sacrifices and you're going to show up to rehearsal and you're going to do that. Why? Because it's important to you. And so you give whatever time it takes to something that's important. And so if you want this relationship with Jesus to just go to a place that you never dreamed that it could, then it's going to take some investment. It's going to take time for you to be devoted to something that has value in your life. And I'm not talking about punching a spiritual clock. See, when I go to the gym, I, I've learned that I've got to do some reps on this thing, and I've got to do some reps on this thing, and I've got to put in some time on this device and contraption. And if I'll walk through that equation every single day, then maybe, just maybe, I'll see some results physically in my life. And I think sometimes we look at spiritual disciplines that way. It's like, well, I want to be made for more. I want this relationship with God to go to the next place. So the equation is if I put some time and reps in this area and I put some time and reps in this area, then the result is going to be that maybe I can experience this relationship with God. I'm not talking about punching a spiritual clock. I'm talking about have a prayer life that is devoted to the Lord and that is motivated by nothing more than our response to God's grace in our lives. You sang the song. He loves me. He loves me more than anything else in this world. God loves us. And so our response to that should be devotion. It should be prayer it should be worship it should be praise it should be thanksgiving why because God's grace is in my life and my response should be worship and this word devotion it suggests that our prayer life has passion and it has purpose if you're devoted to anything it means you realize there's purpose and you realize there's passion there and those things guide your life but oftentimes our passion and our purpose are at war with each other we can be passionate about something, but we never really live that out with purpose. And other times we can be going through the motions that I feel like some of us go through when it comes to spiritual disciplines. We can go through the motions realizing those things have, those things have purpose, but we don't do them with purpose in our life. We don't do them with passion, rather. And so we're just walking through the motions of that. I like what Dr. Martin Luther King said. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I mean, what do we say? We say somebody's dead because they're not breathing. If you walked up to somebody on the street who's just kind of laid out, do I call 911? What's the first question you'd ask? Are they breathing? Right? And Dr. King says, hey, if, if we're not breathing, we're not alive. And it's no better as a Christian to, to think that somehow we're going to have this incredible relationship with Jesus without a prayer life. How are we supposed to accomplish that? 
But here's what I want you to see. Prayer doesn't just automatically happen. It didn't happen that way for the disciples. I mean, they're walking with Jesus every day, and they have a front row seat to see everything that Jesus is doing in the world. And when he prays, things happen. And when he prays, like miracles take place, and they see all of this happening. And and it just didn't all of a sudden happen for those disciples. What they saw him do and what they saw him pray, how they saw him pray, their response to that was what? Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray like that? Would you teach us to touch the Father like that? And so that was Jesus' response. Yeah, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like the Lord's prayer that you have is a response to them recognizing prayer is not just a natural thing that comes easy to all of us. In fact, for some of us, it doesn't come easy at all. It's uncomfortable. For some of us, it's awkward. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's something that, that, that for some reason we, we, we do it, and the whole time we're doing it, it's just like, ah, this feels weird. It doesn't come easy. Why? Because prayer is a learned behavior. And so if prayer is a learned behavior, I want to be very practical with you today. Let me give you a few steps to help you have this vibrant prayer life that we're talking about. And here's the first thing I would advise. Set a time and place. If you want to have, as Paul said, a devoted prayer life with an alert mind, a thankful heart, then set a time and place. I did a little survey this week. I put it out on social media, and some of you responded, and I appreciate that. It was extremely helpful. And here's what I found. Most people do not have a set time to pray. It happens spontaneously and throughout the day. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, isn't that a good thing? Yes, it can be a good thing. In fact, it's a great thing that you involve Jesus all throughout your day and, 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 and your life with him just kind of erupts in maybe the spontaneous prayer all throughout the day. And that's a very positive thing. However, we are very busy people and oftentimes if we aren't careful, our prayer will be relegated to those quick moments when we feel desperate and we need him to show up in a certain area of our life. But when you set aside a certain time and and a certain space to be able to say, you know what, God, this is my time with you. And it's most important of anything that I do in a day. And I'm not going to let anything that I do in a day squeeze out that time with you. Because if I don't do anything else today, I need to sit at your feet as your son or your daughter. And then let those spontaneous prayers that you pray all throughout the day spur from those moments and overflow from those moments with the Lord. But let's set aside a time. And I know what some of you would say. Here we go. You would say, but I'm too busy for that. Like if you would look at my schedule and my calendar, I don't have time to set aside some time to pray and spend time with God and do these things that you're talking about. And I would just argue with you to say the more responsibility you have, the greater your need to be on your face. Bill Hybels wrote a book several years ago that just the title gets me. It says too busy not to pray. The more responsibility you have, the more you need God to speak into your life. And here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. We have to quiet the voices. 
Henry Nguyen said that, that oftentimes when we go to pray, and maybe you can identify with this, that thoughts jump around in our mind like monkeys do at, in a zoo. You know, I, when I go to a zoo, my favorite thing are the, the monkeys. I love to go watch this. And they just jump from tree to tree, and they're, they're just having a great time, and they're swinging all over the place, and we're mesmerized by their motions and the things that they do. And, and he says oftentimes when we sit down to pray, that's exactly what happens. Our, our thought life just goes crazy and and we have what I would call spiritual attention deficit disorder and that's sad no it's, it's an acronym spiritual all right whatever you guys are tough today at the beginning of of our time with the Lord here's what I really encourage you to do I, I would I would encourage you to take some time and learn to quiet the voices down in your life because when you just immediately go from this whatever you're doing to jumping in, okay, God, now I'm going to spend some time with you and I'm going to pray, it's really hard to, to keep your mind on heavenly things in those moments and keep your mind focused on Him. And so what I've had to learn to do is I've had to learn this verse of Scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. And guys, I've, I've had to do that in the last few months in a way I've never had to do before. Because I've had more distraction in my life with Jesus in these last few months than I ever remember having as a follower of Jesus. I talked to a few weeks ago about these condemning voices that we hear in our head and these condemning questions that the enemy brings up into our mind. And, and when all you do is focus on those things, it's hard to keep your mind focused on what Jesus is saying in your life. You guys know that my, my favorite verse of scripture is Philippians 4. that says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And in my space where I spend time with the Lord, like that verse of scripture is a predominant place in my home. And I look up and I see this verse of scripture that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And all I can think about is why am I so worried about everything in this season of my life? Why am I so anxious? Why am I listening to all the voices that are being spoken into my life? Why am I doing that? And so what I've had to learn to do is sit and allow the Holy Spirit to wash those things away from me so that I can be still and just know He's, he's here and that He loves me and that He cares about me and that, 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 that He can speak into my life. But when he's speaking and I'm so focused on all of these other voices, I can't hear him clearly. Let me think about it just for a second. Kevin, would you help me? Would you just come stand up down here in the front? I told you I was going to bring you up today. I was joking, but now I'm not. <laughs> Here's the thing. All right. So let's just imagine. I'm not even going to do this. Uh, uh, imagine that God's, you need them to get hurt. No, 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 I'm good. I was going to say, imagine I'm God. I don't even want you to do that because that's, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, like, imagine that I'm speaking to you, okay? Now, you can't see God if you're online. I apologize. This is going to get awkward for you. We're cutting the mic off.
I'm asking you a question. <laughs> why are you not listening? Why are you not answering me? I asked you like four questions just now. Why didn't you answer? All the noise in the back. You couldn't hear. You couldn't hear. Thank you, Kevin. Do you see what I'm saying? You can have a seat. Thank you. And, and so, thank you, Kevin Farrar. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Farrar. <laughs> Illustration extraordinaire. The reality is, when all of these other voices are speaking in your life, it's hard for you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak. He is speaking to you. He is not silent. He is speaking to you. But until you quiet those voices in your life, and I just, in my mind, I'm a visual learner, and so I like to write on marker boards, and I like to write on my windows. Anything with a dry erase mark on a mirror, I like to do that. I write things all the time. And, and in my mind, it's just like the enemy is constantly writing these things on the marker board of my mind. And when I just sit in his presence and I allow the Holy Spirit to wash those things off of me and I just focus on him and I just try to be still and know that he is God, it's like the Holy Spirit just wipes that board clean. And then when God begins to speak, I can focus on his voice. Does that make sense? And so I'm just saying we got to be able to quiet the voices in our life and be present in that moment. And here's the other thing I would say. The third thing is just pray a simple prayer. Some of you are trying to make this way too complicated and you're trying to pray these elaborate prayers and all of these words and all of these things. The reality is God doesn't care about that stuff. He just wants to hear you speak to him. And he wants you to open your ears and hear his voice. Take a look right here. You'll see what I mean. helpful for anybody else? That was helpful for me. I mean, just to focus on this simple prayer. And here's the fourth thing that I would say is don't underestimate the power of worship in your prayer. When you spend time with Jesus, man, crank up the noise. Crank up, not the voices, but man, put some music on. And, and, and just begin to speak worship to him. Um, I, I can tell you that my times with the Lord are probably a lot more 
um, audible than you might would think. And I pray out loud and I sing and I quote scripture out loud. I, I, I go to verses of scripture like enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. To think our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, which means his name is holy. I speak those words to him. I speak verses of scripture like this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I want to worship. I want to truly worship him because he deserves and he desires our worship. But if you don't recognize that you're his son or that you're his daughter, that's probably not going to be your response. And so my prayer for you today, my prayer for you today in this moment is that you would truly enjoy the intimacy of what it means to be a son or a daughter sitting at the feet of your heavenly father. Not just a servant, not an orphan, but somebody he calls his pleasure. Recognizing that he takes great delight in you. Would you stand with me right now? And can, can we just pray 